Welcome back to the Sports Booth Podcast. I am back again with my co-host, Husey. Husey, how are you? Hello, hello. Quick turnaround, my man. Yeah, quick turnaround on this one, but, uh, you know, that's just the the nature of things with public holidays and uh, travel and everything like that. So, uh, you know, in one sense, not too much has happened. In another sense, a fair bit's happened in the last couple of days. So uh, we've got a bit to cover off today. Definitely, and, and a couple of huge results, I guess, in both Super Rugby and NRL, which is, is what we'll yep. be mostly focusing on today, uh, is obviously the Super Rugby and the NRL. And, and a congratulations, I think, to Husey, because both of his teams got a win this weekend in both comps, and I yep. think that's, that's must have been a rarity over the past two years. So you must be having quite yes. a, a good a good Easter Monday, as, as some would say. Yeah, look, I... Uh... I, and my results for the round in terms of my picks have gone quite well so far. So, with the ex- so in the NRL, I'm six out of seven so far. And if the Ooh. Eels don't massively screw things up, it's seven out of eight. In the Super Rugby, I'm just looking at my tips here. I think I'm a perfect round. Yeah, yeah nice I think a perfect be. round. Which yeah is a uh, look. It's I'm pretty pretty pleased with that. I, I'm glad I stuck with my. My guns on, on one of my picks, but we'll get to that when we talk about the results. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I guess, well, let's get straight into Super Rugby then, because uh, that's, yep. that's, that's, that's a big one. The, the Friday night blockbuster, that was the Crusaders versus the Blues. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, see, I, I and everyone said, because I do many a tipping competition, obviously rugby, first of yep. all, rugby union, New Zealander, Erie. Yeah. So I, I do quite a few tipping competitions left and right. I, I had all my... Ba- uh, bases covered because what I had done although I had tipped the Crusaders because you'd be stupid not to tip the Crusaders at home when the Blues hadn't bet them since 2004 in my power yep. rankings I ranked the Blues above the Crusaders knowing yeah. just how well the team or just how good this Blues team was so I feel like I kind of although I tipped the Crusaders and I, I tipped them because I still thought they were going to win I actually think the Blues were the better were the better team going into the game and that, that kind of showed, I guess, in the end, I think it's tough to beat the Crusaders in, in Christchurch no matter what. It makes it a little bit easier when they decide to mm. go and get a red card, uh, as Scott Barrett did. But it was a big victory for the Blues, which you did tip, I think, following on from my power rankings. Yes, maybe maybe yeah, a bit following on from the power rankings. <laughs> and uh, from the power rankings and just just an instinct, you know, I just when I was doing my picks as like Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind and just seeing all the things like, <laughs> lock it in lock it in for the Blues yes and, and they won and it was a great a great game probably one of the better games of rugby again you said I think I said when the Chiefs beat the Crusaders was the best game I think mm. this now overtook as the best game um, but I guess that wasn't wasn't a result of the round as much as the Blues beating the uh, Crusaders was a massive result I think the result in the round came, comes later and I'll t- we'll talk about that but next it was the Rebels and the Reds, 31-36 for the Reds. Um, I said it on the video that went out game. earlier today. The Reds were always in control of this game and the Rebels fought hard. Um, I'm just, my issue with this game and the only issue I have is the Reds should be beating teams like the Rebels by more than this. They're not putting the foot on the throat yeah. um, and they had plenty of opportunities in this game to, to kill off that game and it'll come back to bite them against New Zealand teams. You can't you can't afford to do that. Against the Dura now they've done this. Against the Rebels again they've done this. Um, it's just even against the Waratahs, they let the Waratahs I think a little bit back into one of the games, and I go, you can't you can't let that happen against New Zealand teams. So I think the Reds a little bit there. I'm a little bit like, uh, for the Rebels, it was a great result as much as a loss is a loss. It still uh, it shows the improvements they've made. As harsh as I've been on the Rebels, they have showed improvement for, for yeah. this game especially. Third game was Chiefs versus Minor Pacifica. 
um, where, again, Chiefs won easily, but Moana Pacifica have played their you know, 50th game in five days, so it was tough on them. Uh, and then we move on to a bit of controversy with the Highlanders versus the Hurricanes. I don't know if you saw the finish of that, um, but we will be talking about that later. But my Hurricanes won 22-21, yeah. so we take any victory we can get. And then what I think was the performance of the round was the Waratahs dismantling the uh, Force 41-24. Now, I say this is the performance, even yeah. though it was great as the Blues was, because of how convincing the first 20, 25, 30 minutes it was for your Waratahs. Um, and just never again looked in so control against a good, a decent force team. It's not that this isn't a bad force team. I thought that was the performance of the round. It, it made me stand up and I, I said in the video, I said, now I've always said Brumbies and Reds could beat a New Zealand team. I think the Waratahs could also, if they have their, they play the right style, could definitely beat a New Zealand Super Rugby team. Yeah. The only sort of issue I have in that game is that um, it's, not to the same extent that the Reds did, but the Waratahs sort of took the foot off the gas a little bit in that, and they lost out on a bonus point. They got a little bit careless towards the end of the game, you know, two yellow cards in the final 10 minutes, so playing 15 v 13, um, and they're lucky to not uh, allow more points to the force. But yeah, I just think it was... Uh, I can't help but feel the, the Waratahs would think that they could have done a little bit better than that like they had the potential to get a better result out of that game than what they did even though they did get a win and quite a few points and that's always good but and that's 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 a good thing is to, to come away from it thinking like okay this wasn't our peak we can improve still from here um i just think some of the execution towards the end of the game needs to be tied up if they were are to beat a new zealand team yeah definitely and again it was i thought i just thought for where like we've always said as waratahs it might not be the year this year but this is a building block yeah. here this like firmly puts them in a top eight spot. I don't see them moving out of a top eight spot mm. unless something drastic happens. So I think they're more likely to beat a New Zealand team now and really at home a top eight spot. So I thought for them to be where they were last year to where they are now and just, you know, even that yep. we, we talked quite highly of Ben Donaldson starting the season and how well he was doing, getting selected in the Australian squad. Now, Tane Edmund has come in and, and just done just as good job in that first five position. So I go, man, you've, you're actually... You've got talent. Like I, I looked at the stats and I was trying to pick, you know, a player of the game from that game, and I ended up with with, with Hooper. But the, the stats were even across the board. You defended really well. Like the amount of tackles that were made, it was really good. So again, I'm interested. I really, I really couldn't care for the Waratahs if they made the playoffs or not. But I'm, it's more of interest to see how they're going to see if I can rip Pusey yep. out. Um, but it, they are they are performing a lot better than they did obviously last year. But this yeah. this all this round kind of puts me into a. A couple of questions. Now, the first one's the double movement. Now, I don't know if you've seen the end of the Hurricanes and the Highlanders game, but what happens is basically tackle gets made, player reaches out, then the ruck kind of forms and drives that ball over the line. Now, I feel like this probably hasn't happened a lot in the in the past with especially Super Rugby and Rugby because we haven't had so much mm. of the hold-up rules where if players get held up alone, it's a dropout now, and so a lot more players are probably a bit worried to get hold up so they don't fully commit to a few things, and so then it's ended up with them being on line yeah. on the ground just short or something, and they get dri driven over. Now, my interpretation of the rules is you get tackled. From when you get tackled, you get one chance to place the ball, either that being placing it forward to try and try score the try or placing it back to form the ruck and, and get quick, quick ball yeah. and like that. As soon as you've placed that ball, realistically, if that ball goes over the line, it can't be a try. Because 
tech, tackler momentum, I get. So if you reach out, place it as you're still getting tackled and then you slide across, yeah. yes. But as soon as a ruck gets formed, as soon as that ball goes over the line, because you shouldn't have hold of the ball, if you think about it. It's a ruck. You No hands on the ball. So that that constitutes a double movement. And I believe that happened a couple of weeks back. I believe it happened against the Highlanders, against the Hurricanes. And so there I go, okay, well, it hasn't happened a lot before in, in the history of, of rugby, as far as I'm concerned, where yeah. I've seen this happen now twice in a season. I'm just trying to see what, what are your thoughts of the game? I don't know if I've got a hurricane bias on and I'm seeing it just because yeah. I'm a hurricane supporter and I wanted to see it that way, or is it... Is there more to it? Yeah, so I've just watched the the footage while uh, listening to you speak as well, and seeing seeing the play of the game. Um, I guess I, I see uh, a bit more of like double movement stuff from watching rugby league. Um, from what I could see, the play player goes down with the ball, ball hits the ground, and then the player lifts the ball up again, and is clearly trying to advance it forward or hoping that he can get carried forward to to put it down again, uh, and. Yeah, that's I, I believe that's against the 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 double movement uh, rules in there. Yeah, I guess it's sort of it is a bit, especially in rugby union where you know getting tackled and forming the ruck is such a is always such a I guess closely monitored and controversial part of the game. You know, with what constitutes a steal, not letting go, and everything like that. That you know you. It's it's almost funny that this situation hasn't come up more. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, look, I I, I think the the rest made the the right call in that situation. I don't think it was it was necessarily biased against the the Highlanders. I would I'd be interested to, to see because a lot of the momentum that carried that then carried the ball forward is other players sort of piling on and where and how that might impact us. So if you go down shorter line, say the player held the ball and the ball still on the ground and then was slid forward over the line due to momentum of other people pushing him in the back. Is is there a, a rule against that? Is there, you know, what's the what's the ruling on that? Because the, the player hasn't then advanced the ball. The player themselves has been advanced by external forces and things like that. I would I would suspect that probably wouldn't be allowed as a try because then you just hold someone on the ground and sh- shuttle them <laughs> along, uh, something like that. Uh, so, you know, I, I, just looking at the footage there quickly, yeah, I think the, the right call was made. Yeah, and, and that's what I've kind of, in my head, kind of played out as well. Like, there's no scenario, and it, might, and it might have to be justified a bit more in the rules or whatever, that in a ruck, as soon as the ruck's formed, you shouldn't be able to score from that ruck as the player on the ground, no matter what. Mm. As soon as that ruck's formed, it's you, you, you can't. So... Again, even though someone, as soon as say you're tackled, bang, and then the ruck kind of slides you over if you're an inch short and it slides you over, I think that's that's a ruck yeah. that can't be considered a try. So I don't know. There's a couple of things there I think will get cleared out from, especially New Zealand Rugby, New Zealand Rugby slash World Rugby there because it's now happened twice. Like This yeah. is the second time I've seen it happen. And I can understand the frustration from the other side because it looks, it does look like he hasn't, hasn't so much propelled himself forward where it's like a clear and obvious double movement. You know what I mean? It's more of a, yeah. a sly double movement. So it's one of those ones where you kind of go, mm. I can understand the frustration from Highlanders fans, but to me it's, it's a double movement. Um, so that was kind of one of the big talking points because I know Aaron Smith blew up and stuff like that. And I, I get it now. We've had two weeks now where there's been some you know, questionable calls to end the game. My Hurricanes on one, now uh, Aaron Smith's Highlanders on the other. But I do go, you've got 79 other minutes to win a game. And, and as much as we yep. can complain as Hurricanes fans about what happened with the Crusaders, we didn't win that game. You can't put it all on the referee for, for 
for this and that, it is it is a situation where you've got to go out and win the game. So then we'll go into our, our second point about winning games. Super rugby round, obviously, this yeah. week in Melbourne. First yeah. time we see New Zealand versus Australian teams slash Fiji and minor Pacifica teams. Everyone throwing in there. It's a it's a yeah. cross cross contaminations finally happening. Big yeah. Friday, it goes Chiefs and Tars, which is I think it's a fantastic game to kick off because those two teams are yeah. both middle of the pack of their own rightful, you know, both teams sitting third conferences, in conferences yeah. and so forth like that. So how do you think your Tars are going to fare? The Chiefs just had a good win. They are low on troops. They have lost about half their team to injuries. So it'll be very interesting. How do you think your Tars will fare to start off? With? I, I, I think the Tars will think that they can ambush the Chiefs here. I think that the Tars will probably be running into this one with a bit of confidence. I wouldn't be surprised for the Tars to pick up the victory. As always in my tips, I'm going to pick the Waratahs. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it... it, it It'll either be... I, I see this game kind of playing out two ways. Uh, it'll be like a close win by the Waratahs or the Chiefs will run away with it. It'll be sort of one of those... You know, like it'll either be super tight or the Chiefs will blow it out. It depends sort of who... How the Waratahs come to play because we've seen certain games this season where they've looked a bit out of sorts. I think they're sort of really finding the right team structure and finding their chemistry uh, right now. Um, you know, you mentioned Ben Donaldson and his replacement, but I also think um, Will Harrison has come in and uh, done a tremendous, uh, tremendous job as well. Uh, I think all around the the backs are doing a pretty good job for the for the Waratahs at the moment, and really pulling their weight. Um, so yeah, I actually, you know, I, I think it'll be a really good game. And then I think the the second game of Friday, Moana Pacifica versus Western Force. I think that'll be a, a thrilling game. Absolutely, hundred percent. I think that 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 could just about be game of the round. Um, Potential, you know, minor Pacific finally get a week's break to kind of get all the troops back together and go, let's go to Aussie. And, and just, I mean, yeah. if, if the Waratahs can ambush, I think, so Sofuk and minor Pacifica, and I'd still call it an ambush, you know, Force have been in this competition long enough to expect to beat a team like Moana Pacifica. Yeah. So I would imagine minor Pacifica going underdogs, but don't be surprised from Moana Pacifica victory yeah. uh, as well. Uh, and then we move into Saturday, Blues versus Judah. On the Saturday, I, I I think I can't see anything but a Blues win. I think the the Jura are going to get. Yeah, it's it's going to be the same. They, they, I think you've got to restart for the Jura. You've got to think they've pretty much just played a season where they got used to all the way the Australian teams played, and they obviously won the game against the Rebels. Were competitive, <coughs> but it took them two weeks of forty to nothing kind of games before yeah. they found their feet. I, I see a couple of those happening in their first two weeks against New Zealand teams before they go. Oh, this is how the New Zealand teams play, and then I think we have. One of the games of the round, Hurricanes versus Reds. I think this is probably yeah. Hurricanes aren't in fantastic form. They've like the way I said it in the in the video, uh, um, the review of round nine is Hurricanes seem to play to every team's level. So if they're playing the Crusaders team, they'll play to that level. If they play the Highlanders, they'll play to that level. If they play Moana Pacifica, they seem to play to that level. So the Reds have a very good chance, I think, to knock over my Hurricanes. Of course, I won't be picking them because I still think the Canes get the job done, but. I think that's going to be a fantastic yeah. game. I think the Reds are built to beat a New Zealand team. Um, and, and so that'll be interesting. And then we move on to Sunday, which I think is the second big game, is the Highlanders versus the Brumbies, where you've got, again, another team, New Zealand team, not in form versus a Brumbies team coming off a bye. Um, and they'll be really, really ready to go. So, I mean, if, if, if an ambush does happen, the Chiefs you know, lose to the Tars, then you've got Hurricanes maybe lose to the Reds. Islanders could easily lose to the Brumbies. All of a sudden, you've got a 50-50 yeah. split down the middle of New Zealand versus Aussie teams 
that would be a, a great way to start this kind of cross cross contamination cross trans tasman because that's the big thing i think super rugby's here is lit this kind of hanging in a balance like it could be a really good year if you say let's say you get five or six australian victories over new zealand teams even if say someone was to upset upset the crusaders or the blues or something like that that would be actually really Mm. good for the competition um so i'm kind of as much as i hate to support an Australian team to get a victory. The, the competitiveness of the competition is built on if we can do that. So I think for me, I'm hoping for a couple of Aussie wins, as long as you don't do it against the Hurricanes. Other than that, it's, it's fair game. Yeah. Go hard. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I'm, I'm fine with that as well. I'm fine with that as well. If, if all the other Australian teams win, or even if just two Australian teams win, and neither of them face the Hurricanes, that's fine with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think... Building into this round, if you had to chuck out a number of how many Australian teams you think are going to win against New Zealand teams just this round, what would you what would you give me? Yeah, I would say confidently one. Uh, yeah, confidently one, which I would say Brumbies versus Highlanders. Yeah. That's that's like the, the most likely. And then I'd, I'd say one, and then three have got a good chance of it. Definitely. Which and that's the, the Brumbies the. Waratahs and the yeah. Reds. I think those. I mean, and that's the, obviously the peak of the Australian competition, and versing the bottom three of the New Zealand competition. If there's any week where the top th- where it, it's <laughs> likely to happen, it's 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 this week. Unless there's a week where like the Waratahs play the Highlanders, the Brumbies play the Canes, and the Reds play the Chiefs, yeah. something like that. Yeah. You know, another sort of switch up. Um, yeah, I, I I think there's a very there's a good good chance this week that we see more Australian teams beating New Zealand teams than New Zealand teams beating Australian teams. This might be the only week where it, where it happens, and this is the week with the greatest chance of it. I, I wouldn't be putting uh, my house on it. Uh, I, I think it's still probably... Yeah. Like, I think those three games I would I would tip... I'm going, or I'm going to tip the Australian teams because I have to tip the, the Waratahs, but uh, it wouldn't... It, any any of those two out of those three games, I would not be shocked if the New Zealand team won. Yeah. Whereas I guess the Brumbies and Highlanders, I mean, it, it would it kind of depends on how the rest of the results of the round go. But I would be I would be surprised if the Highlanders won that one. I think that the the Brumbies um, should be uh, just a bit uh, better than the, the Highlanders and should get it if. If Australian teams have got a chance of competing against New Zealand teams, but if we watch, if we, it's sort of going to be telling that that one's on Sunday. If we watch all the rest of the results, that we see the Australian teams just getting soundly beaten by the New Zealand teams, and we know that the, the disparity is greater than we thought, and so that might even the odds on that one up a bit. But yeah, I think that this round there's a, there's a good chance of three Aussie teams winning, yeah. and I think. What, what's going to be fascinating is that the two styles of play finally crossing over. So, like, just how yep. that moves. And then the referee situation as well. Obviously, we've been ref by New Zealand. You've been ref for Australian refs. All of that's going to come into play, and I think we're going to have some some quite interesting results yep. just rugby-wise, like refereeing-wise. Rugby, just the, the game themselves will be very interesting to watch and pick up what teams do and, and what teams yep. have, have picked up and, like, what film they've been able to watch. Because you'd think... Right now, up to this point, a New Zealand team slash an Australian team wouldn't have watched a single bit of film on their counterparts over mm. there because you just wouldn't. You just they'd be, you've got to focus on the job at I hand. You just yeah. got to go. Okay, here we are. And now all of a sudden, it's like say for the Waratahs, you've got a week to watch. You know, 
seven, eight games of Chiefs rugby and go, exactly what do they do? How can we break this down? It's, it's going to be fascinating to see what coaches get out of their players, what players get out of the coaches, and, and just how these games work. Yeah. But I'm very excited. I think it's great that they've done it this way, and Super Round is now you know, bang on, just as we're all coming together with this. So we will keep you up to date with scores and everything like that and how we see fit as the round goes on. And watch out for our tips as I uh, probably tip the, all the New Zealand teams to win and Husey tips all <laughs> the Australian teams. I won't, tip all the Australian, I won't tip all the Australian teams. The Crusaders are playing the Rebels. You have to be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, no belief in the Rebels? Surely. Did you see what they did against the Rebels? No. <laughs> Not against the uh, Okay, that, that's that's the big rugby. And again, I think after after next week, we'll have a shitload of talking points of what's actually, what, what what's transpired. Yeah. Um, but we will move on to the NRL. And a, a few talking points in the NRL, uh, round six, but we'll start with the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, Husey, do you want to start off? I think I'm happy to go first as always. But I'll give you the opportunity. Uh, you, you go first because it's always yeah. We'll keep the keep, keep the, tradition. the tradition. Okay, cool. So the good the good for me is the Melbourne Storm. Now I know they've come up in a couple of times with the good, but uh, they've just again the game against the Sharks was was just incredible. Yep. Cameron Munster, I was like, oh my god, they've just got so many guys that could break a game open. Like they are absolutely incredible. Like it it does one day it's. Pappenhausen, the next day it's Munster, the next day it'll be um, Grant, Harry Grant. All of a sudden, Brandon Smith comes on and does something, and you're just like, and then it's still got Jerome, Jerome Hughes and a whole, just a, an awe of talent. So that's that's the good. My, my bad, I would say, my bad is the fact, is actually the storm as well. And now I'm saying this only because I go, man, I'm going to say Storm and Panthers. I can't see a place where we don't end up with a Storm Panthers final now. I'm really looking at it. I've I've watched enough, and I know the Roosters take a while to build into it, but I'm like, as much as we are, like I've said how we're in a close competition, you're going to get more teams beating more teams. I still think that's going to happen, but I don't see a team that will be able to beat the Storm and beat the Panthers when it comes down to finals times. When they get second chances, yep. I don't see it. Again, and the fact that we're only six weeks in and I go, you could just about put the house on a Storm Panthers final. Again, you may get an upset, but one of those two teams, I could just about guarantee, will be in the finals, in the grand final. And that's yep. that's kind of a little bit of bad to me. Not not the worst thing. Now the ugly. All right. I'm not normally one to, to bitch and moan about the referees. Okay. I try and avoid it. But I sat there and I, I, I sat there and watched my Titans. I'm not going to bitch and moan about that drop ball, even though it wasn't a try, but Olakowatu dropping the ball, because we should have lost that game anyway. I, I sat and watched the Newcastle Knights and um, Dragons play, and there was the call for offside by Andrew Johns, which I questioned because the ball went back, so how was it offside? But I'll leave that one alone, because that could have been a bad decision. The ugly, the real ugly game was the New Zealand Warriors against the Sydney Roosters. Now, I don't think I've seen a worse game of refereeing slash bunker play, and I don't think it necessarily was the referee's fault. It just, it all seemed to go wrong for the Warriors, and the Roosters just got every little bit of luck, and I was like, something just didn't sit right with me there. It was like, oh, it's their 20-year anniversary of their 2002 team. It definitely felt like something, an agenda was pushed. And I'm not, I'm not again, I support mm. the Titans more than I support the Warriors, but any time a New Zealand Warriors play, I'm going to be supporting them as I picked them, they look like the better team against the Roosters and I think were wrongly, wrongly done by the NRL with that situation. Yeah. Now, they still probably st- should have stayed in the game more than they they did, but I just think that the 
bunker situation, the refereeing, the 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 uh, captain's challenge that didn't get overturned for them, and so they lose their captain's challenge. I just, I, I was like, this is a mess. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. That was such a spirited performance by them, and to be let down by the officials, I thought was 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 terrible. Yeah. So that was that was my ugly. But other than that, I think a good good round is still one game left. I just, I, I was like, man, that, that that sits. If I was a true Warrior supporter, I would have been yeah. like, fuck the NRL to a point. Surprised to hear you calling it a good round with how poorly your tips have gone, um, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, and yeah, and we don't have final results around because we're recording this on Monday afternoon, so the Eels and the Tigers have yet to play, but barring an extraordinary upset there, the Eels should come away with that. Um, all right, my good for the round. So I've actually got, I've actually got two goods um, for, for this round. So the first good, and I, I can't not mention it, <laughs> is the Dragons continue their Easter winning streak. So I actually hadn't realized this, but they have won nine years in a row on Easter, <laughs> uh, on the Easter long weekend, uh, which is, and it was definitely necessary. Now on our last podcast, uh, I called for, and, and we talked about, I think, uh, both of us, that these top teams, what have they got that other teams sort of don't have? And it's that great hooking play, you know, Harry Grant for the Storm, Api Carousel for the Panthers, Reed Marnie for the uh, Eels, uh, Damian Cook for South, who scored a hat-trick against the Bulldogs, and he tore up the Dragons as well. And so I was a little disappointed to see McCulloch starting at hooker, although he did get a good try early on, but he still didn't have a huge spark. However, when we saw Junior Amon go into that hooking role, he set up that last try through a brilliant run out of dummy half on last tackle play. And it's that kind of speed and versatility and ball playing skill that you need out of your dummy half. And so I thought that was really good from the Dragons. And I think Ben Hunt is playing out of his skin at the moment. Like he set up a couple of really great tries and that game defended really well. So look, uh, I'm happy with those things there. In the New South Wales Cup, a few of the younger players like Jaden Sullivan uh, Tyrell Sloan uh, both had some good performances there. So I'd like to see this team structure shaken up again this week a little bit. Maybe see either Sullivan or Ramon start at hooker rather than McCulloch and have McCulloch as a bench utility player who could come on and maybe play uh, something at back, at back row. You need to do sort of what Cam uh, McInnes was doing in the last year that we had him before he tore his ACL uh, when Ben Hunt moved to hooker briefly. So because uh, you need that speed... Uh, that that playmaking ability, not just with your hands, but with your feet out of the dummy half roll. So I like that from the Dragons. Uh, my other good for the round, and even though they lost, was the Brisbane Broncos, who really stood up and fought against the Panthers in the opening stages of the game. And after they got a couple of injuries and the scoreline slipped away, but that's when it sort of fell apart from them. But I think it's a much better looking Broncos squad and a much better looking uh, t- team that face up against the Panthers. I think it's a really positive sign for the Broncos going forward, particularly Katoni Staggs looking like an absolute game wrecker, which they, they need him to. I think, and I was, I was watching that game and testing new, I've never really rated that, mm. that highly. I've kind of gone like, you can tell there's potential there, but I was like, yeah. Dan, when they lost him, it was massive. And I was like, what I actually noticed from yeah. him playing, I thought was he could actually be a fantastic half. And I was like, maybe that is his future calling as a six. Cause I don't think he's fantastic at one. He's, he's too yeah. small as well, and that's not to be... Uh, man, I'm 5'10". I can't be judging too much people on height or anything like that. But he is, like, for a for a fullback, if bombs are going to be targeting to you, 
it's, you've either got to be able to jump high, and he's a little nugget. I just think he, when I saw his playmaking ability, I was like, man, he should actually be looking at that number six jersey, um, potentially long term. Yeah. Obviously, his injury hamstring done for ten or so weeks, but I, I totally agree. Ten weeks, they yeah. were looking fantastic until those injury injury moments, uh, injury um, situations. Yeah, be interesting to see who they put back at fullback now because there's been a lot of talk of Selwyn Cobo, the star winger. You know, his future is at fullback, so it could potentially be him getting an early run in that number one jersey. But, you know, we'll see what happens uh, next week. Um, my bad for the round. So this was a- actually uh, tougher to pick than I thought at first. And then um, I remembered uh, at the time of the last recording of the podcast, <laughs> uh, we had seen the Raiders and Cowboys play. And I'd already talked about it. And then so sort of, I thought of it as last round. But it was this round. So the bad is the Canberra Raiders. Canberra Raiders is just bad at the moment. It's just bad. They, let me see, they won their first game um, against the Sharks at a tight one where the Sharks didn't have their coach. So, you know, it, it, it was a close game. Second game, they lost to the Cowboys. Third week, they played against the Titans. And really, the Titans yep. should have won yep. that. I don't, I don't know how <laughs> the Titans did it. They've lost to Manly. They've lost to the Storm. And now they've lost to the Cowboys again. So Manly and the Storm. Manly one is kind of... I was like, oh, but they, if the Raiders were a really good quality side, they should have put away Manly. But Manly's playing really well at the moment. The Storm, you can kind of be like, look, it's the Storm. It's whatever. But to lose again to the Cowboys, it's just unacceptable. This is not... The, top eight teams don't make the... Don't drop these kind of results. Right, like this is not the performance of a of a, a maybe a, a ranked eight team is 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 I think about the peak of where I see the Raiders going this season if they continue to play the way they're playing right now is they they could the the their ceiling is eight uh, and they'd be lucky to get that eight as well. I, I said in our preseason sort of think like preview that I just that I just had a feeling about the Raiders this year that they just weren't going to play up to expectations I mean and so far they definitely haven't played up to your expectations with how you tip them they've played probably around my expectations so I'll, I'll say but even below those given that I tipped them this week so <laughs> the camera Raiders are my bad for this week yeah if you're not watching the YouTube and you listen to the podcast my face is, is in shame right now <laughs> yeah yeah now ugly for the round um is and you've got this actually for us for one of our talking points later, but I'm going to going to bring it up now and then we can talk about it now. Is the whole Kalen Ponga thing and the fact that his contract news was broken during the middle of a game in which he was playing, where the Knights have pulled his pulled an offer for him off the table. Now, this means either one of two things: either the Knights pulled the contract from Ponga before the game, and the news media only got wind of it during the game. In which case, going into a very important game against a team that they needed to beat to keep in their top eight contention, they've told their star player, "We're not renew. We're not gonna. We're, pu- we're pulling this contract offer from you." And this is in a situation where the Knights have lost their last one, four. two, three games before mm-hmm. this one. So they've lost four games in a row now, after after a pretty good start to the season where they beat the Roosters. So. I think that's so. And then the other option, so that's option one, is right before this game, the Knights have said to Ponga, "We're not going in on your contract." So then you've got your star player going into that game, knowing this club doesn't want me around or doesn't care to fight for me to be around. So 
you know, that can't have been great for Morel. I still think Ponga played well, played uh, and it's to his credit, the credit of his character. And if, if that is, if that is the, if that is the case, the other case is that the Knights made that decision during the game or right before the game without telling Ponga, and the media found out about it before Ponga did, which I think is really ugly. The way that, and that's happened. Uh, that, that happens all the time in in sports, and it's never a great situation where a player finds out something about their future, whether they're cut, whether they've they're not getting an offer or whatever from the media before they get told by the club themselves. So, I I think that whole this whole situation with Ponga and his contract and his potentially linked moves to the Dolphins, I think that's a really ugly way it's been handled because a lot of it has been very negative towards the player, where it's been like. Is Ponga actually worth this money? Whereas you see a few other players, like uh, you know, like say for example Pappenhausen or or Munster or Harry Grant from the Storm or you know Nathan Cleary from the Panthers. Across the board, it's been like this player is worth a lot of money. How much money is are they going to get? They the tremendous players. And I think it's a lot of sort of unfair slander on Ponga. Now that could have come from Clubland or from people in the media attempting to you know reduce what he can ask for. Uh, in his contract, or at least um, you know, get people to understand why they maybe not extend their contract because they don't—they're saying they don't rate him that highly. And I just think it's an ugly way to do business. I understand it is how you do business in the in the sporting world, um, but I don't think it's a necessarily a great look for the game where breaking news about a player's contract is being broken during the middle of a game in which that player is playing. Hundred percent, totally agree. I I don't know how or why you wouldn't want to tell the player first and I don't know how or why if you were going to tell the player first you'd do it right before the game <laughs> surely that's yeah. a Monday you know recovery let's get you into the boardroom let's have a chat look we're, we're going to pull this offer because yeah. we just don't want it see what the reaction there I just I, yeah, I, I, I really don't know what's going on maybe they haven't pulled the offer and this is all again something that's come out something's come out uh, I'm not 100% sure but it is like you just said it's just it's poor business like Poor, poor from the the Knights to start off with. It's probably poor, a little bit poor on Ponga that it's dragged out to here. But then it's even it's even worse mm. just on the media. The fact that over a the media's got it, say they've got it right, then the fact that the media's been able to get that information is terrible. If the media's got it wrong, yep. then it's a terrible situation for the sport in whole. And 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 I really think if they've got it wrong and say the offer hasn't been pulled, because I did read somewhere that the Newcastle Herald was saying that, that the offer wasn't pulled, then someone's got to be held accountable yep. that that was released. During the game, and what was a, a cracking game to be said in in Illawarra, like to take away from mm. the actual match because of some bombshell that's actually factually incorrect, that's that blows my mind. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think someone will be held responsible for this somewhere, either a leak or the the person not telling Ponga or whatever's happened. If it hasn't happened, um, someone definitely deserves to be held accountable for the actions with that. But uh, as you said, I think Ponga played very well and just about lifted his team to a win. On to my second question. So that was one of the questions I was going to ask Husey to discuss. He's discussed it for us because it was the ugly, it was a good ugly point to have for yep. the round. Um, but the protected species. Now, what I mean by this is this is our our, our star boys, our glitter, our glory. Couple of players a mm. bit under the microscope for what has happened. Now, one Nathan Cleary with a pretty ordinary looking tackle against Billy Walters. Now, I've seen it. I don't know if you've seen it. The the leg wrap around, yeah. pretty much similar to a hip drop, but he's using his leg, a bit of a judo tackle. 
it's been in and around the league, league in a while, and it's, again, I don't know how, well, it's obviously illegal because he's been fined. How he doesn't get suspended for that when, let's say, a Victor Radley or just about any Ford would get suspended for that is showing how much of a protected species a player like Nathan Cleary or so is. Mm. I just, I don't quite understand how that worked out. Now, I don't mind if it's a week and you go, hey, hey that was a terrible tackle, you've got to get that out of your game, that's a week. But the fact that he's only copped a fine for it, and I know he's probably had good behaviour. You look at the other players, Victor Radley's yeah. had, his, had his issues in the past, but that could legitimately tear an ACL. We get um, your boy, Fuimano, is that how you say his name? Tyrell Fuimano, whatever his name is. Yeah, Moeno. He, a couple of tackles, his hip drop, I think, got him six weeks, is it? Was it six weeks? Um, for his tackle. And it's like, that, that, um, Cleary's one there could have resulted in just as much damage being done to Billy Walters. It was just lucky. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't know. I would like to get your thoughts from from a Dragons perspective. Yeah. The Dragons four chances are I was probably going to end up six weeks <laughs> suspended if it was DeBellin, yeah, I, I, Sewer... Yeah, I, I don't look. I thought the. I think a fine is appropriate for that. I think it's probably more a case of that the Fords like Fumarino uh, probably have their past brought into it a little bit too much. Um, each case isn't judged on a case by case basis, and uh, they get sort of over harsh penalties for that. I think a fine was was fine for that, or as you said, maybe, maybe one week. I don't know. I, it lo- looked pretty average to me it didn't look malicious it didn't look that bad um but there are definitely other scenarios where that that i think that protected species mentality does come into it so i don't i'm not saying you don't have a a point here uh at all i I think it is is very accurate and i think it is um a case of the nrl making some business decisions about you know who are we uh who are we favoring and who are we not so and and that i don't like because the rules are the rules and it's just like it's just like the law you know it should apply equally to everyone you shouldn't have any special privileges um attached to you just because um you're one of the the faces of the league or, or whatever i think that's a really uh a bad way to do it um and yeah i, I don't know too much about the nrl judiciary system i know there's ex-players involved because i think ben cray the old dragons captain yeah. is on a committee or something to do with the judiciary. Um, and I do like the fact that there are ex-players in there uh, adjudicating on things, um, but maybe a little bit more independence is needed. Outside, so they just they have a pure view of just the rules of the game and the laws of the game and nothing to do with the business side of things. And again, this is just speculation on that part, we, you know, but it does, it does seem to be a, a compelling um, case for this kind of thing where calls are made a certain way for certain players. And you see it in the, the NFL as well, where certain quarterbacks are protected more than other quarterbacks and with, with roughing calls and things like that. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, yeah, it, it, this, it could, this could potentially devolve into a discussion about, you know, what ifs and how do we fix this and whatnot. I don't have all the, the answers for this. I think it does exist for sure. And I agree with you on that point. And I, I don't think it should exist to, to put my points very simply yeah. is that that's how I feel on them. Yeah. And I get what you're saying. It's just that the, the thing, and I don't mind it saying it was a, say it was a fine is the fact that I think if a Tyrell or if uh, Jaden Sewer or Thomas Fletcher or Victor Radley did this, they mm-hmm. would end up banned. Now my issue again yeah. is, is, 
that's that's a that's a, a, a bad look on the sport in general. Like the fact that one person can get banned for doing it and someone else doesn't. And we had another situation, and I was like, oh god, that was terrible call. It was goes back to my ugly. It was James Tedesco um, made a, a try saving tackle, fantastic try saving tackle, mm. gave away a penalty on the line. Warriors in an attacking spot as they've like line breaking everything, gives away a penalty. Nine out of ten times that player's going to the bin. James Tedesco doesn't go to the bin. And it's, it was funny, I always used to, people always used to say this with Cam Smith, and I never really truly believed it. But I think there is a point there that there's a relationship there that he's built Cam Smith with, the respect, just the, yeah. the being that refs are scared to to send him off or to, to do anything. And I think the same exact thing happened to Tedesco. I was like, if that was Reese Walsh at the other end, he hasn't earned that, that level of respect. And I mean, I know, I guess, I, it does happen. Like, you know, that Tedesco's one of the best players in the world at the moment. It's, he's earned that to be there. But just, again, another situation where I'm like, man, that's a protected species where the Warriors don't have a player like that. Like, a Warriors wouldn't get yeah. away. No Warrior player would get away with what he did there and not see 10 in the bin. So I just go, look, as much as, you know, the season has been fantastic, there's a little couple of things creeping in where I'm like, that just doesn't sit right with me, where... It doesn't feel like there yeah. is a level playing field. I know. I, I imagine the referee isn't isn't thinking about you know a level playing field or anything like. They're not trying to make it unlevel, but it just a couple of things have popped up where Todd Payton said it said it best a few weeks back when they lost to the Roosters, where the good teams get the calls, and I'm like, is this is this actually happening? Is are these good teams actually getting the calls because of their respect of what what they've what they're doing? Like, obviously, they chances are they play in the game at a high level where they are understanding those calls yeah. but it does it does interest me i'm like i'm just a bit nervous in these next few weeks how we're going to see all that all that work out because i have todd payton's been right so far i've noticed that some of these better teams roosters against their um warriors there got the call rather than a warriors getting a call so i'm just interested to see where the league goes with this and how this pans out because i'm sure no one's intentionally doing it it's just it is what it is at yeah. the moment so we'll see we'll see how that goes that- yeah, I think from on the I think on the field is definitely more prevalent because referees get a lot of scrutiny in the media and in the commentary box and from the fans on the ground and you you know the referees' names you know who the referees are right and I remember and actually before the Bulldogs and um, Souths game they were playing some highlights from over the years of the game and there was one instance where the ref I think it was Ben Cummins sent a Bulldogs player from the field and the Souths ended up winning off the kicking that penalty. And then as the referees were leaving, it's a quite a famous incident where they had bottles thrown at them and things like that. And they had to get escorted off the ground. So I can, I can see a referee more thinking like, God, I don't want to be the, the ref that sends James Tedesco off in front of all these fans and get crucified in the media for the next week and you know face repercussions from the referees boss and things like that they've got that oversight so they uh they are more likely to be hesitant in making a big call about a star player in terms of sending them off so i definitely i i I can understand that without agreeing with it um so i I think it definitely plays out more on the field than off the field yeah no 100 percent. so i mean that's that's a quick wrap up, I guess, of the NRL and Super Rugby. There's not a lot of news elsewhere. Yep. I, I searched for some NFL news, but nothing much has changed. Obviously, the draft is now no. within ten days or so, so it's not far away. Yep. Um, so we'll have all our draft shit coming out soon. Um, 
but for, for, for me, that's all. Anything from you, Husey, to finish off on? No, no, that's every, that's everything I wanted to, uh, we, we got through today. Uh, hopefully the uh, Eels win tonight and I get uh, have a very good tipping record for the week. <laughs> and um, that, that's, that's pretty much the only reason I'm going for the Eels. I'd love to see Tigers a Tigers upset. Think, yeah. uh, just to just for the, the Eels fans to deflate a little bit and come back down to earth because I think they've been riding a bit high these last few weeks. Had a few cheeky comments from from work and from from other sources about how the the Eels are going. That it's like, okay, let's, let's calm down a bit. You know, it's, some people have been very measured in their response because they're long time Eels fans. They know, you know, start this long season. The finals are a different animal and things like that. Um, but yeah, look, Eels should take care of, of business tonight, and I think. Um, them, the Panthers, and the Storm are the, the, the top three right now. So the, some of the arrogance is deserved from Eels fans. Yeah, 100%. They are. They're, they're a team up there. But I, I, I agree. I wouldn't yeah. mind a cheeky wee Eels loss. Um, as much as we, I also like seeing the drama of the Tigers in trouble, uh, an Eels loss just to bring mm. them back down to earth wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But, yeah. Yeah. I guess only one thing else to mention is that the NBA playoffs have started. They have, yes. um, Good point. Every, they've all everyone's played a played a game and things like that. Uh, but uh, I imagine we'll probably talk about that more once we start seeing uh, the end of these series rather than the start, because you know one game is one game. There's not really a whole lot to uh, talk about until we start seeing some of these series. Results. I will say, I will say, and again, we 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 will probably yeah, touch on it definitely next podcast a bit more on the NBA, but. These play-in tournaments, I don't know if you've, you've seen much of them. So it used to be obviously top eights, but they've done it at 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and, you know, they have to play. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a fantastic. I was so anti it. I was a, oh, I was yeah. a purist. I was like, no, nah, you need your top eight. What is this? You don't need this play-in. But I think it's actually fantastic what they've done, and I think that should stay around. As long as you're within a record like that, like they did, you're within a record, you can you can play in that playoff and stuff. I think that is a fantastic little build-up to the playoffs. You know, those one-off games where it's like literally just one game. If you, if you go out and shoot zero from 20 from three-point range, chances are you're going home. So I just I thought that was that's a nice little twist. I know it's been around for a couple of years now, but I did think that was fantastic. Mm. So, yeah. I, I, I would like to see it in other sports as well. I wouldn't mind even seeing that in the uh, NRL with having uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Um, have a have a little play in there play in for tournament. for those spots. I think that would be yeah, yeah. I think that would be good. And then also, uh, you get more of it. You get more of a reward for being top six as well as top four. four you know what I yeah. mean? So it's kind of give it makes everyone healthier. Uh, you know, I, there's obviously considerations to, that have to be made for things like uh, scheduling because the NRL is on a much tighter schedule than the the NBA, the is. NBA is. So. Uh, and the NBA is like a series of games, whereas the NRL is all one-off games and things like that. But I think it's definitely an idea that should be explored. Yeah, 100%. Totally agree. Alrighty. Well, that is all from us today. I think it's podcast number 17 yep. over and out. Um, thank you for joining us, and we will yeah. be back again next week. Bye. Peace.